Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Asian Glow Up. This is April. And I'm Jojo. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Eddie Chen. He is an LA-based stills photographer, and you might recognize some of his most recent work on Euphoria. We actually connected through Instagram, and I was like, I've never seen photography done in this way before. It's film photography, high flash, high energy, just absolutely beautiful, and I knew I needed to reach out to this guy, so we're really excited to have you on with us today. If you just want to take us through how you got into photography in the first place. Oh, totally. Thanks for having me. I have to give credit to my dad. Growing up, he never really gave me anything except cameras <laughs> and film equipment, like camera equipment. And so I started taking photos um, from a pretty early age. And I'm also really into motorsports and cars. And I remember when I was like maybe 10 or 11, I would go to these car shows with this big like Nikon film camera and N5005, I think that's the model. Um, and I had a flash on there <laughs> and, um, and I, I'd be this like 11, 12 year old kid at the car show taking uh, photos. And I loved it. I've always loved taking photos. That's like a total favorite pastime of mine. However, when I decided to become a professional photographer or to pursue that as a career, my dad was, he was really shocked. He was like, why? Just because I feel like, you know, their generation, they didn't have the luxury to pursue something like that, like a creative field. So I do feel very fortunate. Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like that role didn't even really exist until recently either, right? Which role? Like as... a TV show stills photographer. Actually, you'd be surprised, that role's been around since like the beginning of TV oh. and movies. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a guy that used to create these big sound boxes, they call sound blimps, where you could put an actual camera inside. They were all film cameras back then, but you could put a film camera inside and you could take photos while they were recording sound without hearing the cameras, the sound of the shutter. They were called sound blimps and that guy Mark Jacobson, the first, he started that, I think, I want to say like back in the 30s or something. Wow. So, and his son took over that and his son's son took over that. And it wasn't until just in the recent, in the last like maybe 10 years, five, five years, I'll say, when mirrorless cameras came out and they're completely silent, that sound blimps kind of went away. But even on Euphoria now, I still use a sound blimp because I shoot um, a lot of film on the show. I guess the first and only time I've done on-set photography, I did not have a mirrorless camera. So I think I even texted you about it. I was like, what do I do? Because I didn't even think about the fact that the shutter sound can really fuck up a scene. And yeah. like, we've talked about like on-set etiquette before and like being out of the right. way of like the actors and the director. So yeah, it's like actually a big, big part of it. It's a huge part, yeah. So what did you do? So I actually, I think I texted Eddie about it freaking out. I looked into how much a sound blimp costs. They're kind of expensive. So I was like, it's not gonna happen. I can't afford that. So I actually told my work, hopefully they don't hear this, that <laughs> I needed to borrow the camera for some mm. client work, which is total bullshit. Like everyone knows it's bullshit, but the guy who like checks out the cameras, he was really nice and he was like, all right, you can have it for the weekend, but just don't mention it to anyone else. So I borrowed this. The... This was a mirrorless camera that you borrowed? Oh, nice. A Sony A7. A7. 
to yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Text. yeah. <laughs> How did you get your way into becoming a publicity stills photographer? Like what are the steps that you took to get to a show like Euphoria? Yeah, I didn't know this position existed or what it was. I was you know, when I moved up to LA in 07 to really pursue photography, I think I, I, I mean, my first steps were like assisting photographers that I really admired and, and shooting a bunch of events. And I linked up with a gal that shot a lot of weddings and bar mitzvahs for, for Hollywood people. And, and I was like her second shooter. And, and the big break came when she got on to one of her clients food network shows and she was like hey do you want to shoot stills on this show for me and i was like yeah i'll shoot stills and then my other buddy heard about it he was like oh you're shooting on stills on a show you should get into the union and i was like what union are you talking about and, and that was when i really started looking into that field because you know he, he sold it to me like you get in you get really good health benefits it's like mm. six figures a year you know and stuff like that and i was like no fucking way there's no way i can make that much as a you know photographer is it actually and, six uh, figures a year when you're first starting out yes i mean you can it's just like like i like i was saying like getting into the union just allows you to work on union shows but i was really fortunate to have like patrick my mentor and matthew he was also like a mentor of mine to really fast track me because they've been in the industry for so long working as photographers so when i got in the union they threw me that big party and then invited all these photo editors so yeah first year like i worked so much i just haven't stopped working and it's been like a blink of an eye it's been like 10 years 10 years next year yeah it's pretty wild yeah can you really quickly just like in a couple sentences explain what a union is to maybe some listeners that just have no clue absolutely well LA is like a union town. So IATSE is the the umbrella union that you have to be a part of to to work on all these shows in LA. IATSE stands for International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. And under IATSE, there's 13, I believe 13 locals. And each local represents like a different craft. It's really interesting that the unions are set up to protect the workers, but then it's also so hard to get into the union <laughs> so it they, they make it pretty hard yeah, yeah. it's like i i was saying it's like kind of like a catch-22 right like for stills mm -hmm. you need to do you got to work on non-union productions 100 days on non-union productions or non-union show and you got to get paid you know at least minimum wage you got to turn in all this paperwork to then be able to get into the union and once you get in it's not like you're guaranteed work right you got to know people that will hire you and then you got to pay quarterly dues mm -hmm. and yeah so it's mm. just like it's kind of like it's kind of like the mafia <laughs> if you watch the irishman you'll know what i'm talking about like J jimmy hoffa like the teamsters that was like a union that the mob started you know it's, like, it's really just to protect the workers and stuff like that when i got in 10 years ago i had to pay 7500 dollars to be classified as a still photographer what and, and then on top of that you got to pay quarterly dues and then Every year, those dues go up. It was like oh two forty a quarter, and then now it's up to two eighty. You know, and so that's insane. That's like hazing. <laughs> but I'll I'll say this: there was one show I worked on that they traveled a lot. It was a American Ninja Warrior. Oh my gosh, I love that show. And so they sent me to like a few locations, you know, like Cleveland and where else? Philly to Philly for them, and and they went to 
all these other cities and they didn't hire a union photographer. They hired just like a local, you know, like AP photographer, Associated Press photographer or something. That's not part of the union. And then my friends in the camera department told me, they're like, hey, why aren't you here? They hired some other dude and, you know, and I'm like, dude, find out for me if they're union. And then they weren't. So I filed a grievance, you know, with the union. I was like, hey, this fucking production hired a non-union guy. That guy took the work away from me. And so that's when being a part of a union, you know, like really counts because they went to bat for me and then they find the production money. And so I remember getting a call from the union. They're like, hey, we resolved this with the production. They're going to cut you a check for like six grand. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, that's truly so that's like cool. the mafia. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Strength in numbers, man. Yeah. So you said that it's almost been a decade working in TV and film. How has the AAPI representation changed or evolved? Or is it just like, there's not that many of you even now? Yeah, I mean, when I got in close to 10 years ago, I don't think that was something that I thought about a lot of. But shortly after getting in, you're just kind of like, you go on set and you don't see a lot of AAPI representation. You know, there's not a lot of diversity in Hollywood. And just in the recent, you know, one or two years, there's been a, a push in our industry for more diversity, Yeah. you know, from above the line people, you know, producers, actors to below the line, like all the people that work on the show, you know, different crafts. There's been a push and, and yeah, I always try to encourage like younger generation of AAPIs to, to join the industry. Know, if they're looking into like doing photography you know i always try to encourage them like this is like such a good career path you know and yeah i think it's really important you know it's like i try to also represent api to like you know the best that i can you know by setting myself apart like standing out working on shows like euphoria that's you know big in the in pop culture and stuff like that i was telling you yesterday like Crazy Rich Asians, that was like a big deal for AAPI because it was a blockbuster rom-com, you know? And then I think John Cho, he's another AAPI that has really excelled in this industry. And he was like the the main guy on this show that, but they pulled it like before the season was up, you know? It's just like, and that's also because, yeah, ratings were probably down. Like mm-hmm. people don't care to see it, like an Asian American lead, you know? It's a numbers game at the end of the day, you know, for a yeah. lot of the networks, you know, so. Have you seen the campaign hashtag starring John Cho? No. What is that? So this guy in advertising named Will Yu, he started this campaign called hashtag starring John Cho, and he pretty much photoshopped John Cho's face to the, like, movie posters of all the, like, top blockbusters of that summer, I believe, or just, like, really iconic movies in general and it went viral on twitter and john cho saw it and was like hey man thank you so much like that means so much like that you care about this and like you know i'm really trying to like bring more representation to the world and they actually like got to meet up in person and it was really cool seeing like the community like rally around that so yeah oh my god that's so cool i want to i'm gonna go hit that hashtag yeah i'll send it to you i think it was on twitter I think I first saw him on, oh shit, what was that movie he was in about? It was about, it was based on a true story. Oh, um, Searching. Oh, I watched that. Searching. No, yeah. Searching was so good though. Such a unique way of filming, 
you know. I didn't but, love No, it was it. way before that. He was on uh, Better Luck Tomorrow. No idea. Was it Better Luck Tomorrow? That sounds familiar, but I didn't know. It was filmed that. like where I grew up in Cyprus. It was, oh, um, cool. it was based on Cyprus? this, you know, story about... I grew up in Cyprus. Do you know Cyprus? Yeah, you know I Cyprus? have friends from there. <laughs> He's so excited. <laughs> oh, see, yeah. Our other Morris. co-host is from Diamond Bar. Valley. Oh, Diamond Bar? Yeah. I don't know. My cousin's from Diamond Bar. Better oh. luck tomorrow. You guys should watch it. It's like, this was like 20 years ago, 25 years ago. You guys were babies. April wasn't born. <laughs> I was born 20 years ago. No, he said 25. Holy oh, shit. Wait, how old are you? I'm 24. How Wait, how, how old do you think I am? <laughs> Fuck, Joe, I'm not even playing this game with you. Like, how old are you? Stop. <laughs> I'm 25. How old are you? Oh my god, I'm almost fucking 40. That's not old. Oh, dude, I feel old. It's about yeah. how you, like, carry yourself. You and don't I feel look 40. Like, yeah, also, like, you don't I, f- I, I feel like that's why they put me on euphoria. You think like, they're, like, this man, young guy? Those still... <laughs> Those white people, yeah, they didn't know. They were like, dude, that Asian kid, he's like young that and kid. he looks hip. Like, put him on that show, you know? <laughs> and then, like, all the, ca- all, the, all the cast members on that show, they're like, when we first started, they were like 21. Yeah. Like, 22 years old. I was like, I can't <laughs> fucking relate to any of you guys. <laughs> like, but so, luckily, the film thing really helped us. Like, you know, they were all into film and, you know, shooting film and stuff like that. So, that was kind of cool. You're not like, that was on the only- TikTok? No, <laughs> my my fucking girls on TikTok. I'm like, what is that? Like, what do you do on there? I'm just like, she's like, you watch videos. I'm like, yeah, I use YouTube. Like, <laughs> oh my god, you so. just aged yourself. <laughs> I love YouTube, man. Wait, so is this? Well, you guys don't have the attention span. You guys have like thirty second atten- attention spans. Right? Yeah, <laughs> the gummy is um, about to kick in. I thought I already did. When do you feel like you actually found your style and was like, this is it? Well, it's interesting because it always, it's, it's constantly like evolving, right? Like you yeah. have to push yourself as a creative, you know, as an artist to evolve your style. And you can't, I don't feel like creatives are ever completely satisfied with their style. You know, it's like we see something new and it's like, it's like you get that FOMO and then you like want to like try something else. And I'm always testing, you know, like if I'm not working on shows, I'm always like um, spending my own money going into a studio, renting a studio, like trying to test certain looks and see if it works and, you know, trying new things. I think that's all equally important to excel in your craft and just to feel satisfied as a creative because shooting stills on set, like I was saying, it's like you're documenting what's being created by the director's vision, by the DPs, the way they want to light. And so, but, you know, you could find creativity in how you document it, right? And so when I first got in, it was just like very standard photos. And there's even some networks that would send you like a, like their photo spec. They're like, please shoot in a straight line. Like, oh, no. like what the fuck? Are you kidding? It's like, why did you hire me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why did you hire me? Well, when I first got in, I didn't know better. I was like, okay, straight, you know. Like, and my buddy, Ben Morris, he's like this amazing, you know, fashion photographer, fashion editorial photographer that's like very loose in the way he shoots and he shoots tons of film. And I assisted him one time 
and he really re-inspired me to like pull out all my old film cameras and that's how I started implementing shooting film on sets. Like in film and TV, the industry went digital in 02 and so nobody was shooting film. Everybody was all about like the new digital camera, you know, megapixel wars and shit like that. And so I started taking film cameras back to set and, and you know, shooting stills on film. And there's just a different look to it. The aesthetic is just completely different than digital. Digital is like too clean, you know, too sterile yeah. sometimes. Too many and megapixels. So film, <laughs> too many megapixels, you know, and the film is just like, it's kind of gritty. There's something really authentic about it. And, um, and it started turning them in. You know, I was telling you on Animal Kingdom, that show for TNT, for Turner, that was a big break. You know, they, I always wanted to work on a John Wells production. John Wells did like, what did he do? Southland, which was a really mm. cool, gritty, you know, TV show. John Wells did uh, West Wing, it was part of that. And so, and so when Animal Kingdom, you know, uh, they were shooting the pilot. I was able to jump on that. I shot it. And then a lot of shows, they want to embed one photographer on the show. So especially when it's like an ensemble cast, when there's a lot of cast members, if they feel like if they put one photographer on the show, you become ingrained in the show. The cast feels very comfortable with you. Yeah. You can get whatever you need from them, you know, like behind the scenes wise or even during filming, you know. Because there's some shows you go on, you know, where day players, you, you jump on one show and then like, nobody knows who you are, right? You go in <laughs> for a day or two and then like, you know, the cast is very suspicious of you. And, you know, sometimes they'll call you out. They'll be like, hey, you're in my eyeline. And you're just like, motherfucker, there's like 20 people in your eyeline. Like, why me? Oh my you know? God. So, oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, that shit gets crazy sometimes. Like, they'll call you out. They'll be like, oh, I could hear your camera. I was like. It's mirrorless. It's oh my god! Just like, well, you know, I don't like the color of your shirt or something. You, know? <laughs> you get booted, so I mean, it's wow. not that dramatic, but yeah, sometimes they'll, you know, they'll call you out. Wait, like, so, yeah, so then, want. how? What are some like etiquette tips for film photography versus digital? Because I know, like, obviously, film, unless you're using a sound blimp, it's gonna make the the shutter sound. Right. So on Euphoria that I'm working on right now, season two, dude, you should see me. I have like two fucking digital cameras hanging off of me. I got uh, a film camera in a blimp and then I got two <laughs> like other film cameras that, you know, I just use for like behind the scenes photos or whatever. Or I'll take the photo right before they start rolling or right after they yell cut. So, I mean, so it doesn't interfere with sound. Otherwise I have to use my mirrorless cameras or the, the camera in the sound blimp. But, but yeah, I mean, it's like etiquette that you, you, you know, you understand pretty quickly, like, especially, you know, emotional scenes, right? You know. Yeah. You don't want to be like, use flash. You can't use flash. No way. <laughs> but behind the scenes stuff, you could definitely, you know, pop flash. And, but even that you got to like being a still photographer, a lot of it is being able to read the room, right? It's like, you have to know, like spatial awareness is important not to get in people's ways, but also just like reading the mood of the actors mm. like if they're really in their head because of this emotional scene maybe you want to just shoot like one or two takes and then get get the fuck out you don't want to just like be in there <laughs> and keep shooting mm -hmm. i remember one time i was on a on a show and i was like stuck in a corner with like the actual you know a cam and b cam i was like stuck in the middle so i'm like <laughs> fuck i can't move i can't get out so so i just like kept shooting and i was uh, it was back in the blimp day so i was like shooting in a blimp and then the actor halfway through the take he stops and he goes are you done 
And I was like, fuck. No it was way. so embarrassing. Yeah, he was just like, are you done? I'm like, oh, sorry, you know. And then, you know, he kind of just like, and I couldn't get out. So I just like. Oh, my gosh. You know? And then and then afterwards, I had to go up to him and be like, yo, you know, sorry about that. And, da, da, da. and he was like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I was like in my head and then you know then i saw you and then i came out of it and i'm just like go fuck yourself like you're an actor act like i'm not there so would you say that you know the euphoria cast well enough to know like when to get the fuck out because those scenes are pretty like emotional and intense certain certain scenes yeah it's just like but you know production's pretty good about putting it on the call sheet if it's like a closed set or, or intimate set, you know, so you'll, you'll get a heads up. And then we now have intimacy coordinators, you know, if they're oh. like kind of in a bathrobe or something, I have to check with the intimacy coordinator, like, Hey, am I good to shoot this? Like, and then, you know, because I created a rapport with these, with the cast members on Euphoria, it's just like, it's easy for me to approach them and be like, yo, Hunter, are you cool with me shooting this scene? And a lot of them are pros, right? They're pros, they're actors. They, this is their craft. And yeah. so they're like, yeah, shoot it, you know, cause the publicity is is for them. Right. Like, they want the shots, too. Yeah, they want the shots, too. You know, and every now and then you'll come across an actor that is just, like, they're not about publicity. And, you know, I you just have to respect them. I'm not going to push, you know, for these shots. And, you know, that's when you report back to the network and tell them, like, you know, I tried, but they're just not comfortable, you know, and, you know. And I respect everybody's craft, you know, that's the way they work and that's fine, you know, and if it's something I really need, then I'll ask them for a setup. Like, hey, after the scene's done, can you just, you know, pose the scene for me? But, you know, those shots aren't as dynamic because they're not in the moment. They're just like, you know, giving you (laughs) like a fucking whatever. And so it's just, you know, it's interesting. You just got to read the room and work with what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm realizing because there's a lot of nudity actually in Euphoria and one of the first photo shoots that I was a second shooter on I was taking some behind the scenes and the model's top kind of was a little bit more revealing and she stopped me and was like can you not take pictures because I think my chest is showing and it was like super uncomfortable for me and her and I felt really shitty about myself but like I'm realizing like that is such a big like thing to consider when you're on set right and you know it's like I understand because it's like it's like photos right that could be leaked or you know they stay around and look at like how how things go viral these days like and so it's like we have to sign all these ndas and you know we can't leak any photos or send them so on an average day on set how much time are you actually spending taking photos are you kind of walking around making sure everything's good and kind of setting up your shots or like what percentage of your time would you say is actually you clicking the button on your camera that's a that's a really good question there's a famous saying in our industry called hurry up and wait (laughs) that's totally what we're doing i would say out of a 10 hour day i probably the actual shooting time i'm doing is maybe like an hour and a half two hours at most yeah the rest of the time it's just like waiting setting Mm -hmm. up shots and you have to gauge as a as a stills person too like how much coverage do you really need? Because like for video cameras, they do a master, they do a wide and they go into coverage. They got to shoot like Joe's coverage. And then after Joe's coverage, you got to shoot April's coverage. And, but for stills, we could get that in one shot. We could get the wide, we zoom in on you, we could zoom in on you. And then sometimes when they change the setup, the lighting maybe is better on you. And 
we'll go in there and shoot that. But you don't want to cover like if they do ten takes, I'm not going to stay in there and shoot all ten <laughs> takes. I'll shoot probably like three, four at the most if it's like something really dynamic and you know they need a lot of coverage of. But you should know as a photographer like when you got the sh- shot, yeah, you could dip. You know, you go on the camera truck. I spend a lot of time on camera truck, and I'll bring my computer and I'll start like. Downloading photos, editing, you know, so you don't have a lot to do on the back end. I mean, because also yeah, a film camera can only take like what usually is it standard to have thirty six pictures per roll or twenty six. Thirty six, uh, yeah, thirty six is standard. But yeah, it's just like I split it. I'm like on this show, this season, I'm doing maybe like fifty fifty, but almost like seventy thirty more like 70 percent film it's like i shoot so much film which is amazing i feel like your style honestly is what like kind of makes the show as well okay maybe not like to that extent but you know what i mean when you go to like euphoria social channels you're like looking at your work primarily and that's what people are sharing as well and i feel like a lot of people thank you yeah a lot of people our age are hearing about new shows and like learning right. about new shows through Instagram. So I feel like that's just like yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. They they use yeah, that's like one of their main marketing tools. It's like Instagram and stuff like that. Have you seen the show Betty on HBO? I don't think so. It's in New York. It's based in New York. It's like skateboarding. It's like girls skateboarding. I really wanted to work on that show. But they have a POC working on that show. She's like half black, half Taiwanese. It's amazing. Awesome. So they got her on the show. So I'm really stoked about that. But yeah, I wanted to work on that show, and then the photo editor is like, "Would your uh, Would your wife mind if you were out in New York for four months?" That's when I was married. But um, oh, yeah. So of all the photos that you take, what percentage would you say actually like goes out to the public? Oh, that's also a good a question. question. Uh, yeah, not as much as people think. You know, if I take a thousand photos a day, oh my god. I'd be surprised if like 10 photos make it. <laughs> so who chooses what makes the cut? Do you kind of have a say in like, these were my favorites from today? Well, I think on certain shows, like this show, yeah, they like value our, you know, the photographer's opinion, but the photo editor will make certain selects and then you have to show, then show the talent because they have photo approval, photo kill. Oh, oh, they can kill a photo. I didn't know that they could she do could that. She could kill a photo. Season one, they couldn't. But then season two, I think they all put it in their contracts. Like, we want photo kill. And so, wow. Um, I love that yeah. term. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. I want to kill this. <laughs> yeah, photo kill. Yeah, it's like, you know, they don't like how they look or whatever. And so and that's why I was telling you, see, it's really interesting for season two because, like, Sam didn't want foundation. Like, none of them were foundation. And, you know, like, Z had, like, breakouts, I think, from masks. And so, like, what the fuck, you know? Like... But they'll probably touch them up. Oh, so you don't have to touch it up. No, I mean, I mean, they if they had us touch it up, we would make a killing. We would charge them so much money. Yeah. No, they have their own photo departments and marketing guys that will touch photos up. How many hands does the photo go through before it's live on Instagram? Oh man, it probably goes through like, you know, like legal team as well. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. So one of the episodes. Remember in season one, Z was like a detective. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rue Bennett, Detective Rue Bennett. Yeah. And she was like smoking. So in on TV, you could smoke, but she's supposed to be a high school student, right? And so legally, she can't post a picture of her smoking. And so she posted one of the images and Z was smart enough 
to crop out the cigarette in her hand. You know, that was like really smart of her. You know, she's been doing it all her life. You know? Yeah. So she probably has a really good understanding. But um, but that was part of it. Like HBO was like, this is why, you know, it's best not to send talent photos that they want because and they were like, well, Z's, you know, more dialed in. She knew not to post to crop her cigarette out. Otherwise, like legal would have been, you know, all over that. It's like advertising cigarettes and you can't, you know. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the cast are fresh faces, aren't they? Like, Hunter Schaefer was discovered pretty much for the show, right? And so was... What's that guy's name? Angus, Angus Cloud. Yeah, Angus Cloud, yeah. Fez. And yeah. he's fucking amazing. He was he was uh, scouted off the streets of Oakland. I heard he was discovered as, like, a grocery clerk, right? Yeah. That's crazy. He was, like, the cash register boy. Something like that, yeah, in Oakland. Yeah, he's super chill, dude. Fez is, uh, his character is cool too but he that's not even acting for him that's just really how, that's he, how is. he is that's oh my amazing. gosh honestly yeah. that's the best that's awesome yeah angus, angus isn't acting that's just he plays fez's character like fez's character was created for him you know i actually did read that it's just that's how he is that's how he talks he's, not, wow. he's like so real down to earth like straight up like he's real straight yeah so you spend a lot of time on set. Are there any like funny stories? Just anything kind of interesting that we can share with our listeners? Doesn't have to be anything too crazy. <laughs> fun stories? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of fun stories. It's so funny because they just started this whole Instagram page about IA stories, like International Alliance stories, hashtag stories. And it's all like really nightmarish stories about how like we work so many hours and like the turnaround is so shit and like so... So trying to think of like fun stories. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like when you work on a show, especially like Euphoria, that goes for like eight months and you're spending the majority of your time with the crew, with the, you know, the cast and stuff like that. You, it's like a big family, you know, it's like, it's really like high school, you know, in a sense, there's all these different departments and cliques and, you know, some people don't get along with each other. Some people, you know, are best friends and, you know, you become really good friends with certain people. What's a fun thing we do? They'll bring like coffee truck, ice cream trucks, you know, <laughs> um, in and out trucks, like on a Friday or something, you know, especially if we're shooting like overnight shoots or something. I'll tell you this, you'll never go hungry on set. You know, Crafty is amazing. You'll just like, most people gain like freshman 20 or something, <laughs> you know. Are there stories. any traditions or anything that people do before Like what do you do after? for like birthdays? Five, $5 Fridays. Like they do Fridays, PAs carry this big bucket. And it's <laughs> like $5 get you like, I don't know, like two tickets, two raffle tickets. And then, you know, the pocket's oh. pretty big at the end of the day. Like last Friday, it was like up to 1100 bucks, And then... They pulled the ticket and then the gaffer got the got the money. But, you know, the gaffer usually, well, Danny, Danny's amazing. Danny's awesome. I think he blew all 1100 like, going out, like, buying everybody drinks and stuff like that. You know, that's Aww. what you do to keep the morale, you know, high yeah. and stuff like that, especially on a show that, you know, it's a pretty grueling show. Yeah. So, you know. Can you um, tell everyone about how you were a stand-in photographer in one of the episodes? Oh, for, wait, hold on. I want to tell... The rap party for season one was nuts. It was like Euphoria threw one of the best rap parties. They gave away twenty grand cash, like oh. raffle tickets. Yeah, a five thousand dollars each time they pulled the raffle. It was insane, dude. Like cash. How much did you take home? <laughs> dude, I was one digit away from winning one of the five thousand dollar things. I was so I was like yes, 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 and it was the last digit. I'm like fuck. Like, it went to the sound mixer. I was so pissed. But um. 
But what were you saying? What yeah. was there was an episode where you were a stand-in photographer. How did that happen? Oh right, um, there was a couple episodes. It was oh. but episode I think two Nate's episode. I think I saw uh, you in Nate's episode and also like the prom episode or something. I was in. They put me in a whole prom like tuxedo, and I was the photographer, <laughs> the school photographer for that, and. For like, we shot that. We took like a week to shoot that whole sequence, the prom, and it was funny because like I was like dodging cameras, you know, like when they're and then and then my friend was like, Eddie, you don't have to dodge cameras. You're like you're in the show. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm wearing this. Like, such an idiot. So they did think you look like a high schooler. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but um, but yeah, that was cool. You know, like. It's just easy for us to do because, you know, sometimes they need prop photos. Like the, the in episode two, I had to take a family portrait of, you know, the Jacobs family. Is it Jacob? Nate Jacob? Yeah. The Jacobs yeah. family. And so and so Sam was just like, well, why don't you just be in the shot? You know, just like and it was only, the, you know, the back of my head or something when they were pulling away. I was like the guy taking photos and stuff like that. And so, you were like actually taking a photo during, right? I did. Yeah. I actually took that photo. I think they used it. They hung it up on a wall inside the house or something. Like those are probably. I think photos. I. I think I actually so. know the scene. I think it's when like Nate is going into his dad's office, and there's like a panning scene, and you see the family picture from the. Right. That right. Scene, yeah. Like on the coffee table, and I was like, "Is that the picture so. Eddie was talking about? Because that's cool." <laughs> right. That's. I think that's. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome. Um, it's always fun to you know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I really care for that stuff. It's like. Mm. But it's like, whatever, it's part of the job, you know, sometimes they need that prop photo and it works out. They'll pay you, um, they'll give you a voucher basically for SAG, you know, like you get oh. paid additional, you know, for, from the SAG union because you're technically acting. So, yeah. Is that your next big break? <laughs> act, no, yeah, way, dude. Can never act. What do you see for yourself in your career the next maybe like five to 10 years? And, you know, what are your plans? That's a good question. You know, I thought about this, like, just like last year. I was like, do I really want to be a still photographer for the rest of my life? You know, like some people are lifers, you know, they like retire, get their health benefits and, you know, call it a day. I don't want to be that guy that's like 50, 60 years old on (laughs) set with like fucking five cameras on me, you know, And, and I just don't think I'll be relevant by that age. And, you know, I feel like as I get older, you just like care less about like all that pop culture shit or you just can't keep up you know like i don't know what's in what's not you know but i love you know creating and you know i love taking photos and stuff like that there's a couple of things i could branch into i could start doing features but i really don't see the difference between working on a feature and a television series these days because most of the good scripts are in television and you have a show like euphoria eight months to film it's like Features take like maybe three, four months, you know, mm. and so it's like if you want consistency, get on a TV show and you can sleep in your own bed at night. You know, if I was maybe younger and I wanted to travel a lot, then you go on features, you know, and I have it in with features right now, but I just don't want to go that route because I want to be in L.A. And, you know, L.A. has a few films shooting, but not a ton. You know, it's always outside of L.A. But like I said, L.A. is always going to be king of TV. You could have a really good lifelong career in working in television in LA. And I love living in LA. It's great. Or I could transition into shooting key art or one sheets. And that's like the stuff you see on billboards. 
Sometimes they'll pull like an image that a still photographer has taken on set and make it a key art, but most of the time they hire like a photographer. He doesn't have to be union to shoot like the actual key art. They light it, they shoot it, whatever. But the people that hire the key art photographers are the same people that hire the still photographers. Mm. So that's why the transition for me would be a lot easier because I know these people that hire. I just have to prove it to them that I could light my own shit, which isn't that big of a deal. You just got to shoot a book of shit that you lit, you know, or, yeah. you know, show them work, work outside of shooting stills on TV, which I do all the time. You know, I just like go into the studio and shoot stuff. And that's one of the perks I think of being a still photographer too. Like you work on a show long enough, you become friends with a lot of the talent, you know, and you could always be like, yo, you know, come by my studio. I'm, I'm shooting this, you know, let me, that's let me cool. shoot you in this look and so because that's the thing with hollywood right like anywhere else in the world if your shit is good it's good you know like in europe like in the art scene like if your shit is good it's good it doesn't matter who you have in your book but la if your shit is good and you don't have famous people in it nobody gives a shit Mm. you know your shit could be mediocre but you have tons of famous people in it you're like the next big thing you know so damn that's maybe a very cynical way of putting it, but it's kind of true, man. LA is superficial. It's very shallow. For the listeners out there who don't live in LA and maybe are interested in a career in like stills or even like TV and film, do you think there's opportunities that exist in other cities like New York? I know that Atlanta is also a big growing TV area film, now. Film, yeah. Film city. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, LA, I feel like a lot of reasons will always be the hub right most of the people live in LA right like the the talent you know they don't want to live in Atlanta or you know whatever it's funny New York always used to be like uh, a big fashion city and but in the last like five years you could be a fashion editorial photographer in LA and be totally fine but as far as film and TV like yeah New York is another scene like I was telling you I might move out to New York and the first thing I did was hit up HBO. I was like, yo, if I move to New York, will I have work? And they're like, yeah, there's tons of shit shooting here. We'll hook you up. We'll put you on something. So yeah, there's stuff shooting in New York. Um, Atlanta too. A lot of feature shooters live in Atlanta just because there's so many mm. features that go there. So yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be in LA. People like LA for the weather, the women, and the weed. Biggie Smalls, man. So yeah, I don't think it has to necessarily be LA, but it's not a bad place to be. Well, thank you so much for coming on this episode of Asian Glow Up Podcast, Eddie. We definitely really enjoy talking to you about euphoria, about your career, about like your AAPI take on the industry. And I hope that everyone listening got to learn something new today. Yeah, I hope so too. Some good takeaways from this. I know I definitely learned a lot. I feel like the industry is so far removed from the average everyday person, even though we're watching TV shows every day. It's just interesting to hear more about the behind the scenes and you're right there in the middle of it, basically. So very, very cool. Or is he behind it? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding.